Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. Yes. <laughs> I am so grateful. I always start with that, don't I? <laughs> I just realize every time I hear those words come out of my mouth at the beginning of an episode, I realize, oh, I just, that's how I do it. Okay, without further ado, my name is Jennifer Hadley. We're talking about A Course of Miracles. And this episode, we're looking at Chapter 10, The Idols of Sickness and the Introduction. And about how nothing is outside of God or in opposition to God and that we're part of God. That unity, which is so transformative, and of course, accepting the atonement for ourselves means accepting that there's only one. So I'm a little delayed in getting this episode out. As you can hear in my nose, I still have a little bit of a sinus thing. I had a little cold that I caught on my way back from California. And I'm much better now, not that I got really sick, but uh, my voice was a little fakakt. So (laughs) it's much better now. And let's begin with a prayer. We are grateful and thankful to place our hand on our heart and wholeheartedly partner up with that higher Holy Spirit self. We are recognizing that the pure love of God is what we are, what we always have been, and what we always will be. This is our true nature and our true identity. We're already as holy as holy can be. The gifts of God have already been given to us. So we are grateful to partner up with that higher Holy Spirit self, forget any belief in separation or in lack and limitation, and we accept the fullness of abundance and prosperity, wholeness and harmony that is ours already. We are grateful to celebrate the truth and the Christ within. Sharing the benefits with all, we let it be And so it is. Amen. 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 Mm. All right. So let's begin here. Chapter 10, the introduction. Uh, It begins with nothing beyond yourself can make you fearful or loving because nothing is beyond you. So this is a baseline helpful to us to understand that nothing can make us fearful or nothing can make us be loving. That because there's nothing outside of us that could accomplish that. Everything is within us because we are one with all there is. Now, this section also addresses time. And many of us have this... Uh, skewed relationship with time. So healing that is very helpful to the mind because people can get on a lot of trips about time, like mental trips about time. 
He says here, time and eternity are both in your mind and will conflict until you perceive time solely as a means to regain eternity. So time is solely for the purpose of regaining eternity. It's a means to an end. Uh, It's a means to a world without end. (laughs) You cannot do this as long as you believe that anything happening to you is caused by factors outside yourself. All right. This is core of the Course in Miracles teaching that many people resist. We're willing to accept it intellectually, but we're not willing to apply it moment by moment, day by day. And to me, this is where we are now. The time has come for us to move into this next level of really accepting the fullness of the teachings of A Course in Miracles. And this year, uh, starting in later May, I am beginning the first offering of a five-month program entitled Change Your Mind About Your Body. And I've enlisted a lot of my Course in Miracles friends to help me, including Alan Cohen, Aaron Abke, Gary Renard, John Mundy, Dove Fishman, Lisa Natoli, Mark Anthony Lord, um, Corinne Zupko, Kieran J. Gardner. So these are people I know and love who have a lot to say about this topic of changing your mind about your body. So this is a class. This is not a summit. This is a class so that we can do real work. And uh, I'm very excited about this because working with the mind about the body has been so beneficial to me, not just because of my experience with my body, which has changed so much And I've talked about that a lot. I will be talking about that a lot more. And uh, in this class, at least. And these folks have had amazing journeys and experiences with their bodies and applying these teachings of A Course in Miracles. So if you're interested, jenniferhadley.com forward slash body. Or just go to the events page at jenniferhadley.com. And uh, you can find it there. So, uh, oh, and by the way, we have an early bird discount on that's like a half price. So this is crazy discount. But I'd like to encourage people to make this commitment because in working with folks uh, over the years on this change your mind about your body, it just relieves so much fear, anxiety, worry, doubt, self-attack, etc. So this is the year for us to do this. This really is the year. And I'm excited. I'm excited. I hope it will become an annual thing because I think it's going to be so, so helpful. And uh, I'm just really excited about it. Okay, enough about that. Time and eternity are both in your mind and will conflict 
until you perceive time solely as a means to regain eternity. You cannot do this as long as you believe that anything happening to you is caused by factors outside yourself. So we take responsibility for the meaning we make of things, and it's the meaning of things, the meaning we make of things, and our interpretations of our experiences that so deeply affect our body. And for those of us who have had challenges with our bodies, as I certainly have, and practically everyone I know has had, it's not because we're failures or we're stupid or we're not good spiritual students. It's this is how we as individuals have in our script to work with our mind to free ourselves of ego identification. So nothing bad or wrong is happening. It's just how in this lifetime we have put it into our script to work with the mind. The body is a tool. Course in Miracles very clear. The number one tool we have to work with our mind is our relationships. Number two tool is our body. So when it seems like the body is failing, it doesn't mean that we're a failure. It simply means that this is how we have chosen to work with our mind. Everyone in this world experience, this human experience, has chosen to be working at the level of the mind and doing this healing work at the level of the mind. Every single one of us. There's no one that hasn't. So that's what we're doing. You must learn that time is solely at your disposal and that nothing in the world can take this responsibility from you. You can violate God's laws in your imagination, but you cannot escape from them. So in other words, the law of cause and effect If you believe something, you're going to experience that thing. It might only be something that you experience at the level of the mind. In other words, if you believe you're not good enough, the world can still see you as good enough. But in your mind, you don't believe it. So it will appear as though it's not true. And That's because of the meaning we make of things. Now, this is where A Course in Miracles begins. I've given everything in this world, on this street, in this room, all the meaning that it has for me. So you can violate God's laws in your imagination, but you cannot escape from them. They were established for your protection and are as inviolate as your safety. So it's done unto us as we believe. This is the law of cause and effect. And so if we'd like to change our experience, we must change our thinking. Paragraph two. God created nothing beside you and nothing beside you exists. For you are part of him. What except God can exist? 
Nothing beyond God can happen because nothing except God is real. Your creations add to God as you do, but nothing is added that is different because everything has always been. This reminds me of what Jesus says, ask and it is given because it already has been given. So we've already been given the full load of the Christ, of our godliness, of the use of our mind to manifest whatever we would like in this world. All of that has already been given to us. And so we can accept it or we can deny it. We can argue with it. That's up to us, and that will determine our experience. But nonetheless, we've already been blessed. (laughs) What can accept you except the ephemeral? And how can the ephemeral be real if you are God's only creation and he created you eternal? Now, ephemeral is not a word that a lot of people use a lot of the time, so if you're not familiar with it, ephemeral means a short time. So what can accept you except the ephemeral, the short-lived, the fleeting thought? Okay, the, that's all. How, and how can the ephemeral be real if you are God's only creation and he created you eternal? So things that last for a short time are... Um, the kinds of things that would upset us. Uh, False beliefs and the expressions of those false beliefs. Your holy mind establishes everything that happens to you. Every response you make to everything you perceive is up to you because your mind determines your perception of it. God does not change his mind about you, for God is not uncertain of himself, I would say, itself. And what God knows can be known, because God does not know it only for himself. God created you for himself, but God gave you the power to create for yourself so you would be like God. That is why your mind is holy. Can anything exceed the love of God? Can anything exceed your will? Nothing can reach from you beyond it because being in God, you encompass everything. Believe this. And you will realize how much is up to you. When anything threatens your peace of mind, ask yourself, has God changed his mind about me? Then accept God's decision, for it is indeed changeless, and refuse to change your mind about yourself. God will never decide against you, or God would be deciding against himself. So, can anything exceed the love of God? Can anything exceed your will? Nothing can reach you from beyond it because being in God, you encompass everything. Now, there's this temptation 
that when we feel threatened, it's always because of our perception, not because we actually are threatened. And we can learn to take that pause and be unthreatened. Right in that pause, we can choose to be unthreatened. We can choose to remember our God identity, that nothing real can be threatened, nothing unreal exists. When anything threatens your peace of mind, ask yourself, has God changed his mind about me? The answer will always be no. God will never decide against you or God would be deciding against himself. Because there is this tendency to blame God for the things we don't like, to think that God is punishing us, but this is all ego projection. And so being willing to recognize there are no victims, there's no victimhood, it's not something that exists, but it just seems like it does, it just feels like it does, because that's how we interpret it. And we can move out of that. And it is so worth doing. And working these principles is how we get out of it. Yes, 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 yes. Absolutely. One of the things that I have found so helpful to understand is God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. God does not have favorites, and God is impersonal. Uh, This is one of the reasons why I found studying the science of mind teachings for a decade so very helpful to me, uh, and why I think it was so easy for me to understand A Course in Miracles when I began to look at it, is because there's a lot of similarity. And so... Ernest Holmes makes it very clear in the Science of Mind teachings that God is impersonal. God has no favorites. That the mind of God and the laws that govern the mind of God, they're always operating. They never take a break and they have no favorites. So the law of cause and effect is always in operation. It is not a law about punishment because nothing about God is punishing. And uh, it's interesting, was having a conversation uh, recently with some folks in Masterful Living about rewards, about how uh, speaking in terms of the body and our relationship to the body, that we can reward ourselves with body things, pleasures of the body. So we can reward ourselves with um, all manner of things, uh, clothing, food, sex, um, relaxation, all kinds of rewards are offered as ways of um, pleasuring ourselves in in the physical world. And uh, we can reward ourselves with, oh, I'm going to read a chapter of my, my novel and escape this world, go up into the world of the mind, into the world of the fantasy in this book. And we can even use spiritual practices as a way to escape from this world 
in a way that feels like self-medication. So the understanding that God has no favorites, God is not punishing anyone, God is not rewarding anyone, that life does not work that way. So if we, in our own mind, can get out of the idea of reward and punishment for ourselves and for our loved ones, that we can really help ourselves in undoing ego attachments and ego identification by giving up reward and punishment. And I hadn't thought that much about it over recent years, but I really have noticed that I used to live in that system of rewards and punishment very much so. So when I would be, quote-unquote, bad, I would punish myself, and I would do things that would make me feel bad about myself, like overeating or drinking too much or um, talking on the phone all day and not really getting anything done, and in that talking on the phone, energizing negativity, etc., So there's lots of ways that we can self-medicate, and it's actually punishment. Feels like punishment. Even when we can make up a story that we're rewarding ourselves, in truth, it does feel like punishment. Because we probably wouldn't reward other people the way we reward ourselves and where the way we reward ourselves is actually not healthy, not good for us, not supportive of our life force. And we wouldn't do that to people we loved. We wouldn't force those things on them to people we loved. So looking at what is it that we think of as a reward... Is it actually a reward or does it keep us in ego identification, body identification? So I I can remember rewarding myself with a variety of things. Now I'm noticing more and more clearly, yeah, I don't do that anymore. But I also don't punish myself anymore. I don't stay up too late drinking. I don't crash and burn and push myself too hard and so I'm not punishing myself with things and then I'm not doing things to feel good about myself and then rewarding myself Um, and now it's more like Uh, Like, for instance, yesterday I made this yummy banana bread that I make that's very healthy, or so I think it is. And and it's made with oat flour and millet flour and and maple syrup. And anyway, um, I, I like it. I eat it. And I had some today, and I thought, I'm going to have a second piece. And I checked in. Am I hungry? Am I already full? 
Because if I'm already full, I don't need to have a second piece. I can have as many pieces as I like all day long, but I don't like to feel really full. I don't like to eat to that place of really full. So I didn't want to have another piece if I was just eating for the pleasure of it versus the nutrition of it. So getting out of the reward and punishment and simply being in, what do I feel like doing? What do I feel like having? Does this feel healthy? Does it feel good? Or is it uh, am I operating from that rewards and punishment mentality that I used to all the time? I'm so familiar with it. I know that vibration when I can feel it in my thoughts, let's say. So I've learned to just go the other way. I don't need to do that. Yeah, I could. I can have as many pieces as I would like. I I have stopped saying you're only allowed one or you're only allowed two or something like that because those kinds of thoughts just quickly lead to um, well, they used to. They don't anymore because I'm not really doing that anymore. But it used to lead me to, oh, there's no limits on me. I'm going to have as many as I want. So I would put the limit on only to defy it. It's a crazy ego game. Say you can only have three cookies and the next thing you've eaten the whole bag, that kind of thing. I used to engage in that. And... um I don't need to do that anymore, and I'm grateful. I can just have however many I want. I don't have to put limits on it. I, the limits are for the ego, not for God. <laughs> All right, that's it. There's our music. It's time for me to take a short break, short commercial break. And I'm inviting you to check out the events at jenniferhadley.com. We've got a lot of great things coming up. And I will be right back. We're talking about A Course in Miracles. Of course we are. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles. Living the love, walking the talk. Welcome back. So we're talking about the the idols of sickness and so the introduction is talking about the eternal infinite nature of god and that the laws of god were established for our protection and for our safety and we are always safe in god and we are at home in god and that we're part of God, and there's nothing outside of God, nothing in addition to God. So there's nothing that can attack. Now, we have this idea that we can attack ourselves, but I would say only in a dream can we attack ourselves. And then there's, uh, there are my sense is there are medical professionals and scientists that will say certain illnesses are self-attack. I am doubtful of that because we are of God. God cannot attack ourselves, but there can be an illusion of uh, attacking ourselves. 
So in the illusion, these appearances can arise. And yet, God will never attack us, never punish us. And as we move out of this consciousness of rewards and punishment, life is more enjoyable. So I just noticed that the way I live now is not one where I say, oh, I've been working so hard, I'm going to reward myself with this. Or, oh, I've been so good, I'm going to reward myself with that. I don't think that way anymore, but I used to. Now it's more just, what would I like in the moment? So in the moment, if I would like to make some yummy salad that I really find delicious, it's not a reward. It's just what I would like, and I can have it. And if what I would like in the moment is something like, let's say, an ice cream sundae with a brownie and hot fudge, very doubtful that I would actually like to have that. (laughs) I don't have much of a sweet tooth. I'd much rather have... um, a bowl of my lentil pasta that I like, (laughs) non-wheat pasta. Don't have an issue with gluten, but I just, I prefer my lentil pasta. And uh, with lots of pesto on it. Yes, I love that. I have a savory tooth. I don't have a sweet tooth. Um, And... So, or I'd like to take the day off and watch movies or take the day off and hang out with friends and go to a couple different restaurants. It's not a reward. It's just what I would like to do. So we can really move out of that rewards and punishment. I know this has been a bit of a theme in the last couple of years, looking at how we mentally hold ourselves in the pattern of reward and punishment. And it seems uh, rather innocuous to think, oh, I've worked very hard, I'm going to reward myself with this. Oh, I went to the gym and I worked out so hard, I'm going to reward myself with this cheese and crackers and beer or something like that. Uh, But Instead of thinking of it as a reward, just what would you like? Because we set up our minds that, oh, um, uh, going to the electronics store is so fun for me. I'm making it a reward because I did such a good job of cleaning out the garage, stuff like that. Instead of living in that, constantly looking for rewards and punishment. I'm going to punish myself by making myself not go to the store that I like, or I'm going to punish myself by I'm not allowed to watch the football games that I love or Things like, oh, I'm not going to allow myself to buy any clothes this month because I was so bad when I did that thing, whatever that was. 
getting out of that mindset altogether and just simply being in the place of self-love, what would I like right now? What I notice is where I used to go into these places of, I don't want to do that job. I don't want to do that thing. I don't want to balance my checkbook. I hate doing that. Or I don't want to have to clean out that closet. I don't want to organize those papers. I don't want to prepare my taxes. I don't want to have to write that report. You know, that I don't want to. And so the avoidance and the resistance and the reluctance and instead filling the time with Uh, things that I'll feel bad about, like watching television or talking on the phone or exercising too much or um, just all the things that people do in uh, a mode of avoidance. Those patterns are ego patterns that will fall away. And then what remains is this true lovingness that we have for the self and not the body but the self and so and and by extension for the body as well not seeing ourselves as a body but seeing the body as a vehicle that we care for and so we're taking care of it as a vehicle so like for instance I take care of my car I I get it washed and so that the um, exterior finish will stay in good shape. I, um, I, I take it and have regular oil changes and all that stuff that cars need, but I don't feel identified with the car in any way. I, I don't even think about the car, uh, except that, oh, this is my responsibility to take care of it so that it lasts a long time. I've always bought very old used cars. My current car is um, maybe 11 or 12 years old, and I've only had it for a couple years, so (laughs) that's what I'm talking about. But I take good care of it, and it takes good care of me. And that is feels like a healthy relationship with my car. Uh, And I can have a healthy relationship like that with my body, and now I do. I'm very grateful. I really see how the ego pattern of reward and punishment creates, or rather you could say makes, even more discord, disharmony, distress. Beyond the punishment, because very often the rewards are things that we feel guilty for indulging in. And so even though we think we've earned this reward, we also feel guilty for giving it to ourselves. So that's the craziness of the ego thought system, and we can get out of that altogether. We really can. So be very mindful of thinking you're going to reward yourself or thinking you're going to punish yourself. We can set all that aside, give it to the Holy Spirit for healing, get out of those patterns. And it's a real relief. It is to be able to keep our mind focused on peace, 
on enjoying life. See, now I don't have to, I mean, of, of course, there are many things I do resist doing, um, tax-related things and uh, whatnot, I think. Uh, but that, to me, is also an ego thing I can let go of. It's not my favorite thing to do, but I don't have to dislike it. It's something that's necessary. It's a part of life. But I used to avoid doing things and feel guilty. I, I, I definitely have worked with people who avoid, let's say, balancing their checkbook, and instead they pay bounced check fees and things like that. They pay overdraft fees. They pay late fees on their bills rather than just getting it organized having a system, and letting the system work effectively. These are all ways that we punish ourselves with late fees and overdraft fees and avoiding doing the things that need doing. It's just ways that we punish ourselves. All right, so chapter 10, now we're at section 1, which is entitled At Home in God. And remember, the chapter 10 is The Idols of Sickness. And so this is very helpful. I'm, I'm going to start to spend, uh, I think, this is what I'm feeling guided to as I'm doing this, change your mind about your body, more about sickness and illness because there's a lot in the course on that topic. Remember, the body is the number two tool we have. I've done so many episodes on relationships, so many. So now I'm going to move into this focus on the body uh, for a while anyway. And I have coming up as a guest, uh, next episode is Cindy Laura Renard. She's going to join me and... Uh, We're going to do something about the body and healing because it's something she's written quite a bit about. She knows a lot about. And it was wonderful. I got to see her on my trip to California, have dinner with her and Gary. We hadn't been together for the whole pandemic. So uh, very, very nice to to hang out with uh, friends and just have a good time chatting, eating food, (laughs) having fun, listening to music, going out, yay, like uh, adults do, pre-pandemic, now post-pandemic, okay. (laughs) Oh, and Cindy, uh, yes, Cindy and Gary are both going to be teaching uh, as part of this uh, Change Your Mind About Your Body series. Remember, get in before the early bird expires. Check out the details, jenniferhadley.com. Jenniferhadley.com forward slash body. So it begins with, at home in God, this section one in chapter 10 begins with, you do not know your creations simply because you would decide against them as long as your mind is split. And to attack what you've created is impossible. Now, 
the, it, here's why this is important. It's really in the next sentence. But remember that it is as impossible for God. So we cannot attack our creations. And because we are like God, of God, part of God, it's a reminder to us that God cannot attack its creations. And that's us. So it's impossible for God to attack us. This is an aspect of the law of creation. The law of creation is that you love your creations as yourself because they are part of you. Everything that was created is therefore perfectly safe because the laws of God protect it by his love. Any part of your mind that does not know this has banished itself from knowledge because it has not met its conditions. Who could have done this but you? Recognize this gladly, for in this recognition lies the realization that your banishment is not of God and therefore does not exist." Everything that was created is therefore perfectly safe because the laws of God protect it by his love. So it's very common for spiritual students and everyone really, of course, to feel afraid of God. I always think that even agnostics who say they don't believe in God, deep down they fear God and they fear that God would punish them for not believing in God. But it doesn't matter if we believe in God or not, because God is real, God is omnipresent, omnipotent, omniactive, and God does not care if we believe in God or not. We're still part of God. And we can still have whatever kind of a human experience we'd like to have. Because it's an illusion, nothing here is permanent. What happens here stays here. It's like Las Vegas. And to that point, he says, you are at home in God, dreaming of exile, but perfectly capable of awakening to reality. Is it your decision to do so? You recognize from your own experience that what you see in dreams you think is real while you are asleep. So we all know this, right? That when we're having a dream in bed at night, it seems real until we wake up. Yet the instant you awaken, you realize that everything that seemed to happen in the dream did not happen at all. You do not think this strange, even though all the laws of what you awakened to were violated while you slept. Is it not possible that you merely shifted from one dream to another without really waking? Hmm. Yes. Let's just say yes. <laughs> Let's just say yes to that. You know, I was talking with someone in California, who was saying that uh, their friend 
uh, was trying not to use Amazon. They, this group of friends were all working not to, to use Amazon. And they live in a suburban environment very close to the city or really just on the brink of the city. And they, what they do is they put all the things they'd like to buy into their Amazon shopping cart. And then when they go to the store, they put them in their shopping cart in the store and therefore they don't have to use Amazon. I understand there's a lot to dislike about Amazon. There's a lot to like about it and there's a lot to dislike about it. Life, that's how it is here in in the world of duality. And so uh, this person was saying to me, um, why don't you do that? I know you use Amazon a lot. It's better not to use Amazon. And I understand, I understand that. And I said, well, here's the thing. I, it would take me two hours of driving round trip to go to a store that would have some of the things that I would get. And I would have to go from store to store to store, and it would take hours to do that. Hours of my time. I truly know that my time can be better invested. Plus, I'm not burning gas if I don't leave home. I'm not polluting, and I'm not burning gas. So what I do is I shop a lot at Amazon and I use their subscribe and save program, which I'm thinking I'm going to give a class in that because I save so much money on that. And I also have my Amazon credit card. I get all my points. I use my points. (laughs) I've got a whole system worked out and it works for me. And what I like to do is have 10 things come in a box. And so that's my thing. I, I, I don't need everything right away. I need almost nothing right away. I plan ahead. And so I open up a box and there's 10 things in there. Sometimes Amazon, because of, I don't know, where they warehouse it or whatever, they send one thing in a box. But I do my best to have uh, everything come like on, you know, the one day a week or two days a week. And they put many things in one box. And then UPS or the post office only has to make one trip to my house. And the thing is, is that UPS is going to drive by my house anyway. They are. Every day, they're going to drive by my house. Plus, every day, the postal worker uh, is going to drive by my house. Every day. I may not get mail every day, but every day they are definitely driving down my street. So to me, using those systems, I'm also helping to employ all those people. So I understand. And and that none of that was working for this person who was trying to convince me to stop using Amazon. Basically, in their mind, Amazon bad. Shopping at store, good. 
I get that. I really do. I do. I understand Amazon has some really not good practices. And a lot of good companies work with them. So I can get things that I cannot get in the store, things that are organic and things that are fair trade that I literally cannot get in the stores here that are near to me. So I know this is a long thing, but here's the, the, <laughs> the bottom line that I'm getting to. I finally said to this person who is a student of A Course in Miracles, it's a dream. It's a dream. It's a dream of lack and limitation. It's a dream of not enough resources. It's a dream of not enough water, not enough trees, not enough oxygen, not enough. It's a dream. And as soon as we're willing to change our minds about it, then these issues will disappear and we will manifest what we would like plenty of clean water we will have uh, the resources there will be no lack we will be able to drive cars that are uh, run on energy that is not nuclear but some kind of a uh, way to have our cars work where there's no pollution, there's no resources used. We can drive them mentally. So this is the teaching of A Course in Miracles, that it is a dream. We are at home in God, dreaming of exile. And you you don't think it's strange to wake up from a dream and realize you were sleeping even though all the laws of what you awakened to were violated while you slept, is it not possible that you merely shifted from one dream to another without really waking? So in this dream that we're experiencing, there is the constant sense of not enough. And because it is so believed... And we've invested so much in those beliefs. We live in lack and limitation all day, every day. And I don't have an interest in that anymore. Now, I still recycle. I still reuse. I don't like to use paper towels. I use cloth towels. And I wash a load of, uh, I wash these, I get these cloth small paper towel-like things that I get from Amazon (laughs) that are like organic bamboo cotton. And I wash a bunch of them in every load of laundry that I do. And then I don't have to use paper towels. I don't go through a roll of paper towels, but every couple of months. And usually I'm not the one that's using them. Somebody who's visiting me is using them. I don't need to use paper napkins. I use cloth napkins. Very happy about that. No sense of lack and limitation there. Next paragraph. Would you bother to reconcile what happened in conflicting dreams 
Or would you dismiss both altogether if you discovered that reality is in accord with neither dream? So we can have conflicting dreams. We can have conflicting dreams. We can have a dream in one dream where we crashed our car and in another dream, same car, we can be flying in the car. Seems conflicting. I used to have dreams about crashing my car and I woke up and in the, the, the waking dream of humanity, my car was not crashed. I was not weirded out about the conflict. I knew that when I was asleep, the dream was not real. And I am really interested in seeing that this experience in the human body is not real. It's temporary, and it is an exploration of the mind. And I'd like to hold it that way. It doesn't mean that I don't care. Of course I care about the environment. Look where I live. I live way out in the country on a dirt road, far from everything. So, but, you know, even despite this person coming at me again and again, and really I could tell they were trying to make me feel guilty, and I, I may have, I don't remember now, I may have said, I feel like you're trying to make me feel guilty about using Amazon as a way of convincing me to stop using Amazon or to limit my Amazon use. And they were like, well, it just would be better for the environment, better for the world. And I said, you have to understand this is an illusion. And that's ego thinking. And Many Course in Miracles folks are not prepared to accept that. If you're not prepared to accept that, I get it. I get it. No judgment. And I don't need to argue with anyone about this. Okay, I think that's all that I need to say about that. <laughs> You will remember everything the instant you desire it wholly, completely. For if to desire wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, is to create, you will have willed away the separation, returning your mind simultaneously to your creator and your creations. Knowing them, you will have no wish to sleep but only the desire to waken and be glad. Dreams will be impossible because you will want only truth, and being at last your will, it will be yours. So you will remember everything the instant you desire it wholly, for if to desire wholly is to create, you will have willed away the separation, returning your mind simultaneously to your creator and your creations. Our willingness is all that's required. So this is what we are focusing on. I am not interested 
in dreaming of sickness. I am not interested in dreaming of lack and limitation. Oh my goodness, here we are. It's time for me to pray. It snuck up on me. All right. So grateful and thankful for the love of God that shines in our heart, shines in our mind. We're waking to the truth, and we are grateful to share the benefits with everyone. We let it be and say amen. Amen.